I want to talk about is number one, being as it's uh, Arab Shabbos, is it Tainis, Sarabatavis? So let's talk first about the denim of Sarabatavis. It falls on Arab Shabbos. It's actually the only Tainis which, which can ever fall on Arab Shabbos. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about Shabbos, um, the denim of taking in Shabbos, which is, we'll see, it's practical, particularly this week. So firstly, the normal restrictions of a tainus are when it comes to the four tainusim besides for Yom Kippur and Tishabab, the normal restriction of the tainus is that there's also to eat and to drink, and that applies exactly the same uh, on a Sarabatavis, even though it falls near Shabbos, which means the fast starts like every year at Tesha the fast ends every year at Tesha the fact that it happens to be Shabbos doesn't make the fast end sooner. Um, even though there was discussion in the Shabura uh, that a tainus on Erev Shabbos, if there's a hetter to end the fast when one brings in Shabbos, when it comes to a tainus tibur, so then there's no hetter who has to finish the fast at Tzitzit Now here in the Eretz Yisrael or in the Northern Hemisphere, it's not so much of a difference because anyway, the Shkia is very early, the day finishes soon, but in places in the Southern Hemisphere where it's the middle of the summer, so then, um, as people do here in the summer, people want to make Shabbos early Shabbos. They want to daven Maplaga Mincha. And then the question is, once they've taken in Shabbos and daven Marif, and it's still daytime for another hour, are they allowed to eat? And we pass them that not. We pass them that the fast finishes Tehzke So even if a person is going to daven in early Shabbos, and by them it's already Shabbos, they're not allowed to eat until Tehz. Because of that, the Ashitas who hold, that it's better that a person shouldn't daven any Shabbos this week. Because we have a din that a person shouldn't uh, be afflicted on Shabbos. They shouldn't like sit and fast on Shabbos. Now what does that mean? Most of us don't eat on El Shabbos right away until after davening anyway. Except most of us aren't that hungry because we ate during the day. So it's not that we're feeling afflicted. Whereas when it comes to the end of a fast and a person's just counting the minutes until the fast is out so they can eat, especially like I said, in a place where it's the summer and the fast is at 8 o'clock at night, so then people are hungry. So then the fact that I've made a Shabbos since 6, and I'm spending two, Shabbos, two hours when I've already made a Shabbos, being hungry and not eating is me honor myself on Shabbos. And that will be better if a person doesn't bring in Shabbos and early, and that way they aren't uh, being afflicted on Shabbos. I'd rather leave it as Friday until later, and then Davin just when it gets dark, and uh, right after marriage they can eat, rather than waiting to eat when a person's feeling, uh, feeling unhappy or feeling... Uh, the the tire of the tainus on Shabbos. So in, in the now, the other thing which often asked, that is on Shabbos, on the Arab Shabbos. The Indian of testing the Shabbos food to make sure that it's the way a person wants it to be, we call Tamer, but that's the Tamer of the Chaposkin. Today, the modern word Tamer just means eating lunch. Uh, that obviously is also. But uh, if you wanted to taste the Shabbos food, to make sure it's fast properly, to make sure it's properly cooked, is it mutter to do that on Arab Shabbos? And Arab Shabbos is a tainus. So again, being as a tainus, the person is not allowed to eat. But if a person wanted to taste the Shabbos food, which means put in their tongue to taste it, and then spit it out and not swallow it, that would be mutter. I never really understood that. Ultimately, some of the food is going to go down your throat. Not food goes on your throat. Maybe some Please. of the taste on your tongue, but it's not, it's not a shit. It's significant. Uh, it's like what the Rav told me, let's say about brushing teeth. Right. So the Gemara says that there's something which is not a shit, it's not significant. 
So I'm not doing it to eat, and therefore it's mutter. So and normally on the Tainus, yeah, normally on the Tainus, you would like. If it doesn't drop the it's not enough to be a shir. And normally on the Tainus, you don't matter that either. But when you have Shabbos, so if a person is in the habit of normally tasting the food, so that and to taste sure it's good, they can do that on this week as well, like we said, on condition they don't swallow. Okay, so that's as far as fasting goes. Obviously, the normal denim apply. A person who's potter from fasting because they're not well, because the lady is pregnant or nursing and time for to fast. In those cases, we invited people not to fast, and this year has no difference. That's the same as every time. That's the first thing of, of the tiniest, and like we said, the fact that Sarah Shabbos doesn't change anything. Besides to that, the halakha is everything else is really mutter on the tiniest. Even though there are other restrictions on Tisha and Yom Kippur, they don't apply to the other tiniest, so at any tiniest, a person is allowed to wear shoes, and a person is allowed to wash, and a person is allowed to do everything else. It's just the issue of eating and drinking. Even though there is an Agni Rabba, which Mishra quotes in one place, who says that uh, if a person uh, wants to be like, take on an extra stringency, not to not to wash uh, on other fast days either, even though it's not the Ekkara did, that Chumrah doesn't apply in Arab Shabbos. A person is allowed to wash like they normally do for Shabbos. A person wants to shower or bathe in hot water, salt, shampoo, it's mutter. Person wants to go to the mikvah. It's much of the fact that a fast day makes no difference. That's the din of Shabbos. Similarly, if a person wants to cut their hair or cut their nails, the covered Shabbos, it's mutter too. Anyway, that mikvah din is mutter anyway on a fast day. But even those who would be machmir, based on any rabbi, and those opinions who machmir on the on the, on the fast day normally, for sure the covered Shabbos it doesn't apply. When it comes to the davening, so we have a normal davening for the fast day too. Which means that there's grace of Torah by Mincha with the Haftarah, there's grace of Torah by Mincha with Haftarah on Arab Shabbos also. The only difference is that we don't say Avinu Malkainu by Mincha because we never say Avinu Malkainu on Arab Shabbos often. Like I said, obviously we're just going to say Tavrim Mincha being as longer. So those people who always are catching Mincha last minute before Shkir have to start Mincha earlier enough that they'll be able to, to finish before to finish Mincha before Shkia, um, like every every Arab Shabbos, the person must make sure to finish Mincha before Shkia. Now, when it comes to brushing teeth, normally we say a person shouldn't brush their teeth on a fast day uh, because it's the shayla of uh, the matzwala, and you know it's not really food, but because it's such a khumra. But when it comes to Arab Shabbos, and the person normally part of their preparing themselves for Shabbos is to brush their teeth as well, it will be mutter on a fast day. Again, once as long as the person doesn't. Uh, swallow, or intend to swallow, whatever the, the mouthwash or toothpaste, whatever it's going to be. Okay, those are the denim of the fast day. Now, the next question is everybody obviously um, wants to dive and marry at the first opportunity because that way the person can make Kiddush earlier. So, even though we saw previously, the person isn't allowed to end the fast before the fast ends. Shabbos doesn't make a difference, but on the other hand, there's an Indian not to fast longer than necessary on Shabbos, and because of that, the minhag always was, it happened a few times, that sort of David falls in the area of Shabbos. Next five years, three times. Yeah. It's not that uncommon, and in cases like that, so then uh, the minhag is to daven marry at the earliest possible, possible time, so that people can be home and be ready to make Kiddush as near as possible to the fast ending. So what are the options about having married? Um, there's three options. Let's discuss them, and 
the side of the wide which has become the most popular minag definitely in Shalai. The first option is to David Maravites, which means to David Marav at the time when the person's Yaitse Kriyashma, and even though that means that the person's fasting longer than necessary because you're already allowed to eat at this. And if you're only going to David Maariv by this, so then you have to wait until after Maariv in order to eat. But we say that a person is that it's mutter to do that because a person isn't being a person isn't waiting with nothing to do. And on Shabbos, just being miserable at the fact that they can't eat. Versus davening Maariv. As soon as they finish Maariv, they'll go home and eat. So that's not called being, like being putting myself into a position of like being being distressed on Shabbos and if the normal minag in Shalayim is to consider it says that the Yeshishma to be half an hour so there will be those places who will daven married half an hour which just parenthetically is a normal time in most places daven anywhere in Shabbos so they won't make Shabbos married earlier and they'll make it the normal time so the guy in Shul davening he's busy with something waiting around suffering right. but everybody at home the wife Teenagers. That's a great question. I'm going to talk about them soon. Okay, so that's the, the first opinion. The second opinion is to make Mariv um, early enough that we calculate backwards. So we calculate if the, uh, if a person is allowed to eat, um, let's say when taste when the fast goes out, so work backwards and make Mariv early enough so that way um, where people will be home or at least nearly home. When Mariv comes, when the time the fast goes out, so we'll work backwards and we'll make Mariv before Tess, early enough that that way we'll be finished Mariv before the fast goes out and people can go home to break the fast, which basically means you don't need Mariv just after Shkir. Now, is there a problem with Mariv just after Shkir? No, there isn't. Um, the only thing is that person to remember Tess again because he won't do Tess before Tess Kachom. So there are those places which let's just give it real time. If Shkir tomorrow is quarter to five, four forty-five. So then there'll be those places which will wait until what they call the Tesakum Shalayim is half an hour. So there'll be those places which will dive at five fifteen, which is I guess at the time they dive in the rest of the year. There'll be those places which will dive in Mariv at four forty-five, which means after Shkir. And that way they'll calculate that Mariv takes twenty minutes, let's say. They'll be finished Mariv at five o'clock, five o five, and uh, they'll be and when the fast comes out at five o five or whatever time it is, they'll already be finished Mariv and ready to make Kiddush. That's the second option. The third option is somewhere in the middle. The third option is that we want to be Yetze Kriyashma, at least according to uh, the more makele opinion. And that, and the more makele opinion Shalayim was 20 minutes after Shkir, a person can already be Yetze Shema. And therefore they'll bring Mariv for 20 minutes after Shkir, which means 5 after 5. And even though it means a person has to wait a little bit after the fast is finished in order to in order to eat, because they'll, they'll still be, you know, have to finish Mariv and get home well, after says, but it's earlier than it would otherwise be. And that's become the prevalent minag in Shalayim, to daven Mariv 20 minutes after Shkir, as opposed to half an hour after Shkir, and uh, minimize the, the amount of time after Shabbos that prisoners to wait until they can eat. Now, like Rehusso said correctly, that's all mutter, because either way around, the person isn't just waiting around with nothing to do in order to be allowed to eat. Um, a person is, is, busy, is occupied, they're either davening or they're finishing davening, and uh, the remainder that's mutter, that's not considered being my animal itself in Shabbos. What about everyone's not in Shul? What about ladies, girls who've, who've finished the fast and uh, now want to eat, but they have to wait for the father, the husband, whoever is coming from Shul? So what's the din over there? So really the halakha is, 
if a lady finds it hard to fast, she's allowed to make Kiddush. She's allowed to make Kiddush. And uh, now, she can do one of two things. Either, and even though this sounds strange, it's probably the better option, if a lady doesn't want to wait, so what we should do is she should buy two extra khadr rolls, and she can make Kiddush and make a moisy. And she can she buy one. Well, she needs, oh, one extra one for herself, yeah. right. In other words, she doesn't have to wait for her husband to make a dish and eat chala and make the metalecha mishnah for her to eat. She can fight herself, she doesn't wait for him. Uh, so, she can make her own kiddish, once her fast is out, she can make her own lecha mishnah, and then she wants to eat, and she can wait, and then when he comes up, he'll catch up, and make the kiddish for himself, and then join him. There's no problem with that. Um, and then he's allowed to make a dish, and uh, there's no reason why she has to wait for her husband if she doesn't want to. If she does want to wait for her husband, or he wants her to wait, whatever the reason might be, she, uh, she's still allowed to make a dish and then eat something else, like Muzanis. Even though it's not the most lachatkhida option, in any cases, when it's necessary, so just like we did this morning, a person's allowed to make a dish and, make, and be kaveya on Muzanis. So if a lady wants to, let's say, her husband's family at a minion, which happens half an hour after she gets so which means at 5.15 when he's starting marriage, she can really break the fast. So if she wants to, she can make Yiddish and eat a piece of cake and have a coffee, whatever it is, that's mutter. As long as she, as long as she makes Yiddish, she's allowed to eat and as long as she eats something on which the kitchen is going to be chal, so then she's allowed to do that. Now, if a lady wants to wait, she's allowed to wait as well. But in order that it shouldn't be that a person's waiting, hungry and shocked with nothing to do, so then we would advise, if a lady doesn't want to break the fast, she wants to wait for her husband, so either she should be busy getting ready for the Sudha, or she should come to be married. But it shouldn't be a matter of just waiting, being hungry on Shabbos, we try to avoid that. The person should be Yeshiv Mohani. Okay, so those are the, those are the halachas which apply to, to Sarabha Savis, which falls on Arab Shabbos. Now I just want to talk about one last point, which is Nagate to Shabbos every week. And that is the din of taking in Shabbos early. Because we said already people shouldn't do it this week because it doesn't help you. Because anyway you can't eat um, until, the, until the fast is over. And to just have taken in Shabbos and now wait with nothing to do until people are able to eat is, is really not, not, not right because people, that means people are just being afflicted on Shabbos. <coughs> but normally, when we talk about Shabbos, the din of taking in Shabbos early. So can you do, uh, just go through three or four basic halachas. Number one, how does a person take in Shabbos? So the halacha gives three different ways to take in Shabbos. The, the most straightforward way, the Shulchan Aruch talks about, a person takes in Shabbos, but they have Since it's the Mariv of Shabbos, so really says about Baruch when a person starts Mariv of the Shabbos, and that's Shabbos. Um, once the Minag became widespread, to Davin Kabbalah Shabbos also, so when a person says Ms. Mashiri Yama Shabbos, um, so he's already taken in Shabbos. Because he's calling it. This is now the time of Shabbos. So that's what's called being Mekabba Shabbos with Tefillah. Being Mekabba Shabbos while davening. That's the first way to take in Shabbos. That's the, the way Shulchan Aruch talks about. The second way to take in Shabbos is by lighting candles. Being as lighting candles is now doing the mitzvah of, of Ashram in Shabbos. So uh, lighting candles is also uh, when a person lights candles, that's also normally considered that they've taken in Shabbos. That's what they light the candles for. Now that there's no candles, they taste in Shabbos. And there's a third option also. And there's a person who says, I'm going to be myself Shabbos. 
Now, all these three options of Yimokal to Shabbos all apply in a case where, and in the Chiyot to do that, is in the case where it's still before Shkir. Because when Shkir, at Shkir, Shabbos begins automatically, whether you're Yimokal or not. We're talking now about since it's a mitzvah to bring in Shabbos before Shkir, so since it's a mitzvah to bring in Shabbos before Shkir, so then a person has to decide which way he's, what he's going to do in order to bring in Shabbos. And that's why ideally uh, Shul's should finish Mincha and Erev Shabbos earlier enough before Shkir so that they can only bring in Shabbos back about the Shabbos still before Shkir that it's already it's, it's, they do the mitzvah of bringing in Shabbos somebody that is meant to light obviously enough time before Shkir which is not going to have a sophic of Bimachal Shabbos but even more than that we're going to just bring in Shabbos before Shabbos has already begun <coughs> and or if a person just verbally says I'm Bimachal myself Shabbos once a person does do that, in any of these three options, he can't do melacha anymore. Now that he's taken in Shabbos, so for him it's also to do anything which is also to do in Shabbos. So a person has to begin the restrictions of Shabbos when they makal the Shabbos, that's what it means to makal the Shabbos. But the second point also, once a person is makal the Shabbos, they can no longer have a mincha. Because mincha is mincha Friday. And now that you've taken in Shabbos, so now, you can't, now it's not Friday anymore, now it's little Shabbos. So a person can't have a mincha. And we made it because of that, so a person should make sure that they're going to be able to daven mincha with enough time to take in Shabbos afterwards. If it would happen that a person uh, would be presented with a dilemma, should they take in Shabbos or daven mincha? So the halacha is that a person should take in Shabbos. It's a mitzvah according to some opinions. What about mincha? If a person wasn't able to daven mincha because they had to take in Shabbos, so then after David married twice, it's called being a lioness. So where this is very practical, where for a lady who's known to have a mincha, and she's running late, and that's now for Dr. Snellis. And now she wants to know, should she have a mincha first and light later, or should she light at the right time, even when she doesn't have a mincha? And if she's not going to light at a certain time, she should light at the right time, and or she must mincha, so she'll have to have a married twice. Now, this also applies to men who arrive in shul, Four minutes before Shkir on Erev Shabbos. We have people sometimes who do that. If they're not going to finish Mincha by Shkir, so then they should have Makabal Shabbos and Mincha. Mincha. That's the only thing that they've married twice. But uh, the, the din of, of Makabal Shabbos, like we said, it's a derisa. Now, and also to daven Mincha after Shkir anyway is not like a for sure on Erev Shabbos. So the best option is the person should make sure always. To take in, to have a mincha early enough that they can still have time to take in Shabbos afterwards. Um, if it would happen that the tzibur would be running late, so then you tell the chazan not to do chazal shat, to do kedusha, short kedusha beforehand, and uh, that way to make sure that the, fini- the tzibur will finish before shkia, so that uh, they can make the Shabbos before Shabbos automatically comes. That's as far as the din of Shabbos. Now, when we said the din of lighting candles is the way we make up the Shabbos. General question. We said about lighting candles that is taking the Shabbos. That's the, that's for a lady. Since ladies light candles, that's the minhag. Ladies didn't always use a daven married. So for the lady, what she what ladies always do is the the, the activity which brings in Shabbos is is called lakas neiris. Is that lakas neiris? And because of that, so then when a lady lights candles, she's taking in Shabbos. When a man lights candles, we don't assume he's taking in Shabbos because he's going to have a marriage. 
and therefore we assume that by then um, it, he's going to become the Shabbos later when he's having married, not necess- or Kabbalah on Shabbos, not necessarily with Hadlaka's neighbors. And there's a big difference. Because the halacha is that when a person is makabal Shabbos, obviously they can't do melacha anymore. So for a lady, if she lights candles, she can't do melacha after having lit candles. For a man, he still could do melacha. So for example, a man's by himself, his wife's away or in hospital, or a person is on his own, whatever the case might be, and he wants to light Shabbos candles. Can he light Shabbos candles and afterwards go to Shul to Dabi Mincha? Or does he have to come back after Mincha to light candles? And the answer is for a man, it's not a problem to Dabi Mincha after his lit candles, because for him, he hadn't taken Shabbos without the candles. But for a lady, that would be a problem. So if a lady wanted to have a mincha, she has to make sure to have a mincha before a darkest nearest, because otherwise, for her, it's already Shabbos. Similarly, if a man wants to travel somewhere, let's say his man comes at home, wants to travel, he's eating out somewhere, so for him, it's mutter, because he hasn't been a couple of Shabbos yet. For a lady, it's much more of a problem, because normally we say a lady does a couple of Shabbos without the candles. Now, there's a big discussion in the poiskim. Is a lady allowed to say, I'm lighting candles without being a couple of Shabbos? If she verbalize that. I don't want to be a couple of Shabbos now, I'll do it for a couple of Shabbos later. I want to light candles and after to do melacha. Does it work or not? There's different opinions in the poiskim about this. The achrav, the achrayim, which the Shabura brings as well, is that if it's a real shasat tzarech, if it's a real necessity for it, then she can do that. Without there being a real necessity, she shouldn't do that. Without there being a real necessity, we should, we should assume that lighting candles is the way she brings in Shabbos. Now because of that, the halacha is that even though normally when it comes to mitzvahs, a person is meant to first say the bracha and then do the mitzvah afterwards, for ladies, when it comes to halakas neiris, the, the Ramah Paiskans is that first lady lights the candles, and then after she says the bracha. And the reason for that was because by saying the bracha, she's bringing in Shabbos. So she's bringing in Shabbos by saying the bracha, she can't light the candles afterwards. That's the Yisod And that's why we say that she has to first light the candles and then put down the candles she's holding. That's an important point. Because otherwise she's going to be taking Shabbos holding the candle. What's she going to do with it? So she has to first light the candles, put down the candles she's holding, and then make the bracha. And by making the bracha, that's when she's taking in Shabbos. By making the bracha, that's when she's taking in Shabbos. The fact that ladies are meant to cover their eyes when they make the bracha is because even though they're not making the bracha before the action of lighting the candles, at least they're making the bracha before getting hanar from the candles, before benefiting from the candles. And therefore the idea of what ladies do is either cover their eyes or close their eyes so they don't get hanar from the candles until after they make the bracha. Which is those ladies who like make circles in there, whatever they do around the candles, I don't know where it comes from. Halakhically there's no reason for that. It doesn't mean anything. What she's meant to do is cover her eyes or close her eyes so that she only gets the benefit from the candle after making the bracha. But basically, we said before, if a man would be lighting candles, he'd be able to make the bracha before lighting. Because anyway, he's not taking in Shabbos by lighting, so that, that, that restriction wouldn't apply. Just like when it comes to Yomtev. When it comes to Yomtev, where a person is allowed to light candles on Yomtev, so now a lot of Muslims say that they should make the bracha on Yomtev before lighting because that's the better time to make the bracha. And the answer is that afterwards. The reason why there's no about that, the Magen Avraham says, the ladies are going to get mixed up. You tell them on Shabbos that after, and they'll do that before, they're going to get mixed up. And therefore, it's better always need them making the bracha after. But really, make her when it comes to the answer, the lady could light, could make the bracha before lighting, and some divine man. Being as you're not necessarily taking Shabbos by lighting candles, you could make the bracha beforehand. The third way to make a Shabbos, like we said, is to verbally say, I mean, a couple Shabbos. 
And once a person does that, now all the Yisurim of Shabbos apply to them. All the Yisurim of Shabbos apply to them. There's a big discussion in the post game. If a person made a mistake, if a person ran out that he actually, there was reason why he shouldn't be Makabal Shabbos, is there a way to retract that? Which means if a person is Makabal Shabbos by davening or without candles, that's normally I'm not proud of. Now that a Shabbos is a Shabbos. If a person was Makabal Shabbos but not by davening or without candles, but just by verbalizing, I'm being Makabal Shabbos, does that have a din of a nether? Which means if there's a Torah, can a person be Makabal that and make it back whole again? <coughs> it's a very interesting discussion in the post game. Either way around, the Salacha only applies from Plaga Mincha onwards. Before Plaga Mincha, it's not Shaykh and Makabal Shabbos, it's too long before Shabbos, and the person would even be Yetzir, which means if a person would light candles before Plag, it wasn't a Lakas near Shabbos. It was, it was too early to light and be Yetzir near Shabbos. It's only after Plag, which is now and a quarter before Shkia, that we can consider what a person does now is already considered the beginning of the night, and therefore a person could be Makabal Shabbos then. So just to give an example, when those minyanim which dive on early Shabbos, what they do is they dive in mincha before plug, and they dive in mincha right after plug. And that way, that's, that's not tied to the satri, because you can consider after plug to be more like night. So they dive in mincha and mincha in two different time zones. They dive in mincha before plug, which is afternoon, they dive in mincha after plug, which is early evening, and they be at both. Now, we once had a, we have a minyan in the shul which does that, and one time a man came to me, he told me he had a baby, he was in the hospital, so he lit Neiris before he came to Mincha. He was davening on Shabbos. He was davening on Shabbos. He lit Neiris before Mincha. So I told him, run back home and put out the Neiris and start and after Mincha at them again. Why? Because since you come to daven Mincha, it means it's still before Plag. And the Neiris you don't add yet to anything. So what you have to do is you have to go back and that Neiris again. The Neiris he wasn't yet to with them. It wouldn't be called Neiris Shabbos. So you have to put out the Neiris and relight them with another bracha. After that, sorry? Yeah. Right. And you relight them with a the, with the, with the bracha and the cover jobs. Before that, it's too early. Would you be able to do the opposite? Would you be able to dive in Mariv and the then go back and relight the candles? The answer is for sure not. Because we have a Shabbos and Mariv. So the only answer would be after Mincha, now that it's after plug, you have to go and look at the Neiris again. And do that for cover charms. Can the Rav discuss for a moment why? The the din that I said was, like we said at the beginning, uh, falls on the area of Shabbos is red. So only fast Jewish can do that. Uh, the Beis Yosef brings Rishonim, who say that if a Sarabatavis would have landed up on Shabbos itself, could have fallen on Shabbos, then we would fast on Shabbos too. It never happens, so we don't do it. But he says, Lo Yitzir that the, the current would work out that uh, that for Shabbos would fast on Shabbos. And the question is why? What makes Asar B'Tavis so much more Chomer than Shabbos B'Tavis, Atsam G'dayu, or fasts like that, and even Tishabah, which would fast on Shabbos? Why would there be a din that Asar B'Tavis would fast on Shabbos? So the Rishonim, it's for the Quran of Mitz Yosef, bring a Svara that Atchalta Dupra Nusa Adifa, which means the beginning of the Oynish is, is more Chomer. And Asar B'Tavis is really the beginning. Tishbab is the end. Tishbab is the final stage of the destruction. But the, the process of destruction began with Asar B'Tavis. And therefore there's something which is particularly tragic about Asar B'Tavis. Let's just explain it in one or two minutes. What's the idea? What's the, what's the unique tragedy of Asar B'Tavis? We could ask the question in different words too. We could ask the question that we are already commemorating the Qurban. 
We commemorate in Tisha B'Av. And Tisha B'Av was the day of destruction. Why do we commemorate the day that the, the siege began? That pales in insignificance compared to the destruction itself. And the answer is it doesn't. There's something much more tragic about Asara Batavis. Besides with Tisha B'Av, with all the severity of Tisha B'Av, there's something particularly tragic about Asara Batavis. And that is that what Asara Batavis symbolizes is that Yerushalayim had lost its spiritual protection. We know that as long as the, the Shekhinah was in the base of Mikdash, so then it was impossible for any enemy to wage war against Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim was invincible. Yerushalayim was impenetrable. And it was only when the Averis of Kaishla got to such a stage that now the Shekhinah left the base of Mikdash, so now it was possible to fight. Now it was possible to conquer and eventually destroy the base of Mikdash. And the, the Aserbatevis, which means the day which the siege began, means that somebody was able to successfully begin a war against Yerushalayim. But it hadn't happened until then. Like we said, other nations, Sancheriv, had come to fight Yerushalayim, were destroyed before they, could, before they could begin the battle. The fact that here there was the possibility of fighting Yerushalayim means we had lost the Shekhinah. means we had lost that protection that having the Shekhinah with us brought us. And then that was the, that's what's the focus of the tragedy of Sarah Batavis. It was in Kaishal realized the Shekhinah wasn't here anymore. And yes, it took time to come to a special conclusion when the Basimish was destroyed. But there was already the, the sign of the of the tragedy that we didn't have we no longer have the Shekhinah. And that's why Yishalaim can be conquered, Yishalaim can be fought against. That was the the tsar which we commemorate after Sarabatavis. The is a paradox. The idea of we know that Mukubanan tell us that the, the there's four months in the year which are months of Puranus, months of punishment. We have two in the summer, which is Tamaz and Av, and two in the winter which is Tavis and Shvat. And the cycle is exactly the same. We, each one starts with three months which are considered to be uh, months of a good muzzle. Uh, in the summer we have Nisan year seven. In the winter we have Tishrei Cheshvan Kislev. And then afterwards you have was meant to be three months of Puranus. Three months of Puranus. In the summer was meant to be Tammuz Av Elul. And in the winter was meant to be Tevish Shvat Ada. Now Elul, Zahar says, it's a fascinating thing, was Yaakov fought the Malach of Esav in Elul. And by conquering so to speak, the Malach of Esav, he won back the month. And that's why Elul El was, we won back Elul, it became a good month. It became a month of Rachamin. So in the summer, we just had the months of, of Tammuz and Av, which are the months of, of Din, of punishment, uh, in the winter. So then again, we had the months which would have meant to be months of Din, is Tevesh Shvat Ador. The miracle of Purim changed Ador, Vachodesh, Hashanepach, Yogan, Nesimcha. Other was meant to be a month of yoga and of sadness, of destruction, of, of mourning, and the nice of Purim changed it into a month of Simcha. We went back other two, but we left with the two months of Tsar in the winter, which are the months of Tavis and Shvat. The difference between the months of, of the winter, which are the bad months, so to speak, the months of Din, and the months of the summer, which are the bad months, 
there's two kinds of punishment. There's a punishment of heat and a punishment of cold. And it's not for nothing that these come in the heat of, in the heat of the summer, and these come in the coldest part of the winter. And the reason is, then there's one way of one kind of din of punishment. And punishment comes, like the Apostle says, with fiery anger. So we talk about Gehinnom as being fire. There's one element of punishment which comes with fire. And that's when Hashem actually punishes. And that was Tammuz and Av. The destruction which actually happens, and all the Tsars which come with it were in Tammuz and Av, that's the punishment of fire. That's the punishment of heat. That's the punishment of being attacked, of, of so to speak, Hashem fighting, so to speak, and punishing. There's another punishment also. And that's the punishment of the winter. And the punishment of the winter is when Hashem turns cold shoulder. It's when Hashem abandons us. That's a, that's a kind of punishment too. That's the din of the karach. That's the din of coldness. The din of the winter. And that's the tzara of Asar B'tavis. Asar B'tavis is the day we realize we were abandoned. We realize that Hashem had left us. The punishment which we were punished came in the summer. That was the punishment of, he, of fury. The punishment of the din of fire. But the punishment of being abandoned. Of when you say, why have you, why have you left us? Why have you turned away from us? That's the punishment of coldness. It's the punishment of the winter. And that's what's commemorated in the Torah of the Tavis. Is the, it's the, the tire of the fact that we realize that Hashem has left us. The fact that we la- realize that Hashem has turned away. And that's, uh, that's the, why there's a, there's a different chimer to the fast of the Torah of Tavis because it signifies a different form of oinish. And, and since that was the first step, so then it, it has a certain kayach that this is the first step of, of the punishment process, like the Bosak says. I'll turn away from you. That was the, what we saw in Sarbatevis. That was the level of the oinish which comes from the winter. The level of oinish which comes from the coldness. That was the start of the process of Astaishal realizing that we're being punished.